Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. And welcome back, guys. We're back with the uh, Week 7 Recap. How's everybody doing this evening? Doing good. Doing well. Awesome. Uh, we have no Brady tonight. Uh, he's still on business and can't, and that's what he's doing. Oh, no, he's on vacation, isn't it? Which yeah, means all out. of you are doing good, too. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, Brady in your ears the whole night. Um, I hope all you guys are doing well out there tonight. Uh, you know, it was an interesting weekend. We're, we're to the halfway point, and we're kind of starting to figure out who's good, who's not good. Um, you know, right now it kind of looks like, as far as the Big 12 is concerned, you know, at least the three-way tie at the top is Oklahoma uh, West Virginia and Baylor they're all undefeated but I feel like Oklahoma State's not far off and TCU only has one loss in the conference right so it's not like they're I mean they're still in position to do something too now, I guess it comes down to do you think the teams are for real or not but you really still have five teams I feel like that are in position to win this thing yeah and then the next few weeks are gonna that's all gonna work itself out pretty quick in the next two or three weeks so yeah I was looking at the schedules at the end it's kind of backloaded again mm-hmm. well just for instance like you have Baylor plays Oklahoma plays West Virginia they play, you know, they're playing Oklahoma State. Like, all those games are kind of at the end of November. Um, there might be one out of place here or there. But for the most part, basically, like, the last few years, the end of November is going to decide this conference before it's all said and done. So, um, so as we go into the second half of the of the season, um, what's, I mean, what's some things you took away from this weekend? What's some things you're looking forward to seeing the rest of the way as we go? Well, I mean, for me, one thing that kind of stood out to me is that we, we've talked about it numerous times As a matter of fact we talked about before the show started was was about the quarterback situation at Iowa State and it just seems like they, they didn't even make a decision mm-hmm. if it, it seems like you know landing was playing pretty well and then Park came in it just it just kind of took away the rhythm and I, I think they got they got to figure out something I, I don't think the system's going to keep on working for them it yeah. seems like now it's starting to hurt them I so. totally agree yeah it seemed like they can't is yeah it seems like they're making decisions at the wrong times to where it's certain it's detrimental to the team you know what i mean and at some point like you know we talked about this before you if you ever played a team sport you had a pitcher or a quarterback or something that you felt better about you know you felt like you had a better chance to win with i know i certainly did on my teams if there was a guy that took the mound or played quarterback or whatever that i didn't have faith in you know i wasn't near as great we weren't near as confident that night as we would have been with somebody else so you know that's that's got to be affecting that team not really, and they're not really knowing who their leader is and I mean they can do all the coach speak oh it's next man up and you know all that crap but when it comes down to it they want a quarterback who's going to lead them and honestly usually in those locker rooms they know who the better kid is well most it, times they're going to know who the better kid is and not that but like you're talking about rallying behind the guy I mean there's there, most of the time they don't rally behind two two quarterbacks no but, you know unless it's a weird situation where you have like a running quarterback down at the goal line or something like that but other than that yeah as two far really as rolling, different ones right yeah. instead of just rolling in two quarterbacks that play full-time quarterback that doesn't normally work usually the offensive line that you know all the guys around respect and play harder for one guy than they do another yeah. not necessarily saying that that's the right way mentality but that's pretty much reality that's the way it is yeah well and you, you also have the chemistry between the quarterbacks and the wide receivers you know right how hard is it to to build that chemistry when you're switching out your quarterback every two possessions? Yeah, isn't one left-handed, one right-handed, or they're both right-handed? You, you got. Me. Uh, I, think I, both, I think they're both right-handed. Maybe they are both right-handed. Wrong. It's like the ball spins differently. That would be a, that would be a problem too, though. Yeah, and then you know just throwing the ball, timing routes, things like that. They're all going to have different touches on them, different places they like to throw the ball. 
I mean, some guy might be better. Some one guy might be better at back shoulder throws. You know, just different things like that that you have to. Oh wait, which quarterback is this? Okay, I need to be ready for this. You know what I mean? So yeah, and just velocity of the ball. I mean, different velocity. Yeah, that's different with your hands. The way you control your hands. That too. Uh, Colin, what what's uh, one thing you took away from this weekend, or what are you looking forward to going as we go into the second half of this season in this conference? Well, uh, both of those are going to be West Virginia for me, actually. Uh, I was pretty impressed with the way West Virginia played in Lubbock, holding Texas Tech to below 20 points. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often does that happen? Not no, that's, uh, I'd have to look. It's been a long time since yeah, somebody did that I, to Tech. I think some of it, I don't think, obviously, Tech's offense didn't play their normal game. I think Mahomes wasn't, wasn't necessarily himself, and the offensive line was just awful. Yeah. Uh, defense was its normal self, so there was no surprise there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, looking forward, uh, I think, you know, West Virginia seems to be pretty legit this year. Yeah. I know we, we've all said, you know, they've never won five five conference games before. I think this is a year they're going to kind of break through, and it's going to be interesting starting with, um, I think it's a 29th in Stillwater, seeing – Seeing what they do as they get into kind of the upper tier of the conference. Yep. Well, you know, one thing about them this year is, is you know, they they're not necessarily great on one side of the ball, or the other, but they're solid on both sides of the ball, right. mm-hmm. which a lot of Big Twelve teams are not. No. Well, and, and so that, you know, that's paying off. It helps them. them a lot. Yeah. Skylar Howard has played much better this year. He's not yes. turning the ball over. He's completing at a higher percentage. He's he's just playing. I mean, he's typical Big Twelve quarterback. He's you're, running you're around efficient. a little more, being a little more that way, and uh, right. also their defense is getting turnovers. Yes, I mean they're getting the ball, so and they've been solid just as far as making tackles and things like that too. Yeah, and you know, I'd be interested to see what West Virginia does the rest of the way too. Their defense looks pretty good to me. I mean, uh, you know, talk listening to Holgerson post game and stuff like that, it kind of sounded like he believed that West Virginia wasn't quite, or that uh, I'm sorry, I said West Virginia that um, Mahomes wasn't quite right. That he he thought he was hurt in his opinion. He thought he was still a little hurt, and uh, some other writers said he wasn't quite a hundred percent. And then to me, I went back and watched the game. A short, it was like a, a shorted version of the game, about two hours long. We cut out a lot of the stuff, but I went back and watched as much of it as I could. And they, to me, there just seems to be some dysfunction going on that team. Like well, they just don't seem like they're buying in or something. Like I don't know if they're just done with Kingsbury on that roster. I don't know what the case is. It just doesn't feel right. I, I would agree with it. Maybe he's not right you know maybe Holmes is not right but that still doesn't explain the blocking up front I mean just oh because, no, you know, no no you know, I mean no, like no. I mean it, to me it no. was a total don't get me wrong I, he might have been banged up a little bit which did cost him a little bit but mm-hmm. the other parts of the game to me is where they lost it it wasn't necessarily yeah. on the quarterback play itself and and uh, normally West Virginia or uh, Tech Texas Tech is pretty good on the offensive line like normally they're pretty right. good pass blockers they usually got pretty tall guys they, that's one thing they usually do pretty well is pass block and they just didn't show up I mean Virginia Tech or West Virginia, God, I keep getting them wrong. Mm-hmm. West Virginia jumped on top of them and just took off from the word go. Yes, and just I mean beat them up. Well, you know, so Tech looked like they completely quit in the second half. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like to me, they just don't feel. I don't know, just something about them. They don't feel like they bought in. I think they feel like they're done. Well, I thought the most interesting thing coming from the weekend from from West Virginia was seeing uh, Holgerson throw the steak off his porch and his son catching it in his mouth. I mean, <laughs> that was a better pass than Mahomes threw all day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, um, you know, he he seemed to be like he was trying to, West Virginia tried to play this off. You know, Holgerson's trying to play this off. Oh, this wasn't, it's was just another win, da 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 In my opinion, that was a good win on their part. Yeah, so. it's, enough, 
Yeah, yeah. that's a big win. Uh, tough, tough place to go play. And well, I th- one thing I thought was kind of funny in the game at the very end when they're down the goal line getting ready to score again, and the announcers on TV are like, "Yeah, looks like he's probably gonna be taking a knee here." And then all of a sudden, did it almost look like they yeah. faked the knee? They for did. A they, yeah. I know. I was like, "Oh, no, you're not." Yeah. You know? <laughs> Kingsbury had a few uh, comments about that in post game. He wasn't. I don't think he was real happy about that. He shouldn't have been. That was, no. that was a little messed up. I thought it was too, yeah. but at the same time, I it it's Holgerson. Yeah. yeah. You and I mean Kingsbury is not exactly. I mean he has a little bit of a attitude sometimes. So yeah, yeah I think he rubs people the wrong way sometimes. Yeah, so. he does. Yeah. And so. well, him and Dana Hokers used to live together in, together in an apartment. Yeah. Used to, so I mean they know each yeah. other really well. And you can't tell me that's not two like egotistical males, you know, in that surrounding. So yeah. Well, then again, you always think that, but you you don't really know. Maybe maybe Hokers did tell him to take a knee, and they just threw one it's up. True. I mean, Possibly. you don't you don't ever really know exactly yeah, what that's happened. That's true. So. Possible. I could see that happening. Um, as far as me go, as far as I go, I'm curious to see who can stay healthy. That's really to me. Um, you know, Oklahoma's decimated by injuries. Texas has had some key injuries. Uh, Oklahoma State's getting some wide receivers back that were hurt. Um, let's see who else is. Uh, West Virginia had a defensive injury that was key, and I can't remember the name of the kid now, but I think he's back. There's just been some key injuries, and in I'm curious to see who can stay healthy. That's honestly just overall, because I'll put it to you this way, guys: if for some reason Oklahoma was to win the Big 12 title, it would be a very underrated coaching job by Bob Stoops. I don't think people understand how injured this football team is right now. Like, it's bad. Like I, the only time I can remember it being this bad is maybe like 2009 when they returned that national title appearance team that played against Florida and returned like all those starters. And then Sam Bradford went down and it just freaking rolled. So that, to me, that's what I'm curious to see, what teams can stay healthy to, to go through the attrition. You got Baylor who, for instance, they're going to get another bye week here pretty soon. And so they're going to be really rested, you know, so that's key for them, things like that. So I'm curious to see who can sustain it and, and survive the attrition. But uh, rolling on into, oh, Jockstrap, you got anything you want to uh, add for that you took away from this weekend or the, going forward? The Baylor and Kansas, uh, the other quarterback situation is that uh, Willis had 60, I think 67 yards and four interceptions. Yeah, and that was so at least try Cozart out a couple plays to see if he does a little bit better than Willis. Yeah, Willis had a little bit more, but you're close. 89 yards, that was not very good. 10 for 19, which is a little over 50%, and 89 yards and three picks is not going to get it done. No. Yeah, well, we can so, go over it a little bit more in uh, the game. We're rolling into uh, Kansas and Baylor's game one. That's what I have on my schedule. That's what mm-hmm. y'all have, I'm assuming. Yes. Uh, you know, this one here, man, I, I'll be honest. This one, maybe it shouldn't have. Well, I guess maybe the West Virginia one shocked me more. But this one was close to shocking me the most because I really didn't. This is a Baylor team that, while I still haven't felt like they're Baylor yet, like we're used to seeing them be Baylor, like they don't feel as dominant and they don't quite have that swagger they've had in the past, especially on offense. This is a Baylor team I hadn't seen show up yet. And I'm starting to believe some of the people out there that have said this Baylor team is one of those teams that's just going to play to its competition every single game. If it plays a bad team, you're going to get a so-so performance out of them. If they play a good team, you're going to get a great performance out of them. And I think they heard so much about Kansas. I know Kansas isn't a great team, but so much about Kansas' defense coming into this. Everybody was like, man, Kansas is doing really good, and defensively they're great, and Baylor, we're not too sure about them. And I think they heard a lot of that noise, and they said, okay, and just showed up and teed off on them. I mean, the funniest thing to me about this, the win probability line, those lines that go up and down as the percentage throughout the game, this is basically a straight line Baylor. <laughs> like, there is no – like, it went to 98% Baylor and then 100% the rest of the way. Well, you know, we, we as a group 
th- felt like going into this game that Kansas was going to show up and play better football. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we, we all thought that Baylor would, would w- eventually win the game, but we felt like Kansas was going to give them a game for, mm-hmm. you know, a half or, you know, two and a half, three quarters. Because they'd been that, doing that. Right, and they, they've, been playing, yeah. they've been playing hard, and they've been doing good things. But, man, they just self-imploded. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. Do you guys think that this may have been kind of a letdown week coming off the TCU loss? It's possible because that was a tough one for them. It was. That is possible, definitely possible. That was a tough game. And, I, you know, I kind of wondered that quietly after that game ended. I remember thinking to myself, man, I wonder how this team bounces back from this because it was like they finally had that light at the end of the tunnel in front of them and they just couldn't grab it. It was right there in front of them and went away. So I'm curious to see, you know, what this team does the rest of the way. Um, one thing I did find a little shocking as I was looking for stuff today, there's a lot of Kansas fans that aren't real happy right now with Beattie and I'm – I'm just thinking to myself, like, what more did you expect this season? First of all, you have a win, which is more than you ever did it last year at any point. Second of all, this team's playing with a completely different attitude. Yes, this game right here is is the exception. It was awful. It was absolute butt whipping from the word go. I mean, you look at it. First quarter, Baylor 21 points, Kansas nothing. Second quarter, Baylor 21 points again, Kansas nothing. I mean, it was done by halftime. But the rest of the year, they've done pretty well, and they've been hooked up and ready to go. And you have to at least – Give the guy a chance to build a roster. Like we said in the beginning of the preview show, if people remember back in August, Charlie Weiss destroyed this program yes. recruiting. He didn't recruit at all. And what he did recruit was, t- I mean, he was not very good. And then he blamed it on the players on the field and said, well, how can I recruit with that crap out there? How can I, you know, like he just destroyed this program basically. Left him with, I think, something well, like 50-something scholarship players out of the 85 they're allowed to have. You know, and I think he's, I mean, I think he's going about the right way because he's not just going out and just – getting every player he can to fill up the roster he's mm-hmm. not he's not just going to give a scholarship to anybody he's trying to find the right players and holding back some of those scholarships till he finds the right guys yeah which in the long term in the long run that that is the right mentality if they'll give now, him three to five years that'll pay off i right? think so too now you know if you're talking about you know the first couple of years of his his tenure yeah it, it's they're going to struggle but what, what how's that any different than two years before he was here you know i mean yeah. you, you have you have to kind of look at it long term and i to me, it seems like he's the right guy to build long term with. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's doing the right things to get them where he wants them to be. And, and granted, I'm sure he'd be the first one to tell you that he doesn't like only winning one ball game. I mean, oh, no, no, no one does. Yeah. Especially but, the where he comes from, the culture he comes from, the game, the high school and then college co- teams he was with. You know, yeah, so, he used to win it. Yeah, and so I mean, I think people just need to take a deep breath and take a step back and and watch this thing progress. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, we've said for three weeks straight now other than this last week against Baylor, but the three weeks prior to this, they've been playing really hard. They've been playing solid football. They've they made some mistakes and things, but, I mean, their effort is there. They're, mm-hmm. they're doing a lot of good things. It's just a matter of time before they start getting over that hump. Yeah, that, That's the problem with today's fan bases. I mean, we expect immediate success, and when it's not there within two years, it's time, okay, let's, let's go find the next coach. But in a place like Kansas, they should be allowed the time – to build, to build a, build a program, yeah, yeah, they have to they rebuild have to build a culture. Yeah, it's, it's not, not it's not Alabama or OE or something where you're bringing in just a high level coach right off the bat that can start hitting recruits immediately. Yeah. You've got to build your program, and they're not set up the same. Like for instance, at, in Alabama, you have ridiculous facilities right. that can attract people. You know, ridiculous coaches, insane recruiting staff, especially in the SEC versus other programs. I mean, you have all then okay, throw in the fact you're Alabama. Yeah, the and tradition. Then yeah, throw in the fact you're Nick Saban. I mean, all that, and you just, you're, it's a ready made machine. I mean, it really is. You got the right coach. Uh, I mean, anybody who thought Alabama was never going to come back was stupid. All it took was the right coach there, 
and boom, they're coming back. I mean, you're not going to keep that kind of a juggernaut asleep. I would just say this to the KU fans. If you took what you had as a coach last, Charlie Weiss, and you put him in Alabama whenever he went to Kansas, I guarantee you Alabama is not where they're at right now. No, 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 no. He, he, he would have took that down too. He ran them down. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, people need to understand, it takes years to rebuild what, what the damage that was done. It's mm-hmm. not going to be – a one-year process it's going to take a little bit to me it was charlie weiss either didn't a know what he was getting himself into and once he did realize how bad it was he said you know what i'm not going to worry about it they'll get rid of me i'll take my check in a couple years and go home on a buyout or b he thought well this is my audition for something else and then i'll move on down the road but either way it didn't work out good for kansas it was a bad hire and it just ended up bad for them well back to the game here guys Uh, kansas i mean it, it was more of the same that's kind of been a problem for them all year they shot themselves in the foot you had I think he had a pick six that put him down 14 to nothing early in the first quarter, and really the game was pretty much over from there. Mm-hmm. You had five turnovers on the day, which who's going to win with five turnovers? Yeah, no one. Even, yeah. even the really good teams are going to struggle to complete a game with five turnovers. Yep. Yeah, if that had been switched around, if Baylor would have been the one that had five turnovers, you know, that that game probably would have been a lot different. It would have been a close ball game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how big that five turnovers is. It's the difference between – getting your head smashed in and being competitive in a ball game. And, you know, at the end of the third quarter is when Kansas finally scored. And since that was their only score of the day, I thought we'd do a solid and play the real quick clip of that uh, to help Kansas out here. Here's your lone touchdown at the end of the third quarter. Stanley hands to Herbert, bounces it wide to the left, still on his feet, he angles in, and he's in for the score. Touchdown, Jayhawks. Yeah, that was your uh, lone touchdown there by Herbert. Uh, how do you say his name? Khalil? Is it Khalil? I think how you say his first name. Khalil Herbert. It looks like Khalil Herbert. Uh, that's his rushing TD. Made it 49-7 to there at the end of the third quarter. Uh, we just thought we'd play. I mean, Baylor had a ton of highlights. There's no sense in going through all that again. Uh, <laughs> it, K- KD Cannon ran for days on a couple of them. So. Did Seth Russell seem a little bit off to any of you guys? He did seem like he was high a lot on some of them. Like, he just didn't yeah, quite. he just didn't have yeah, his accuracy. Yeah, like he didn't. I don't know. Maybe he was a little distant or something. I don't know. People have bad days. but Right. I think that may have been what it was from his side. Yeah. Because the team, to me, Baylor, to me, this was the most complete performance. And I have Jim Grobe uh, uh, queued up if you wanted to play him. But it, he talked about uh you know how this was to him like his most complete performance of the team so far this year and i thought that it really was they really were locked in and ready to play this game i think this kind of goes back to our preview show where we had talked about you know they've never really had the full complement of wide receivers so mm-hmm. they've never really had mm-hmm. their, their whole offense on the field at the same time and with katie Keenan yep. coming back this week you saw it you have that dynamic wide receiver on one side and then zamora on the other mm-hmm. you, those you, are two great big big 12 wide receivers yeah you see that a lot of places I think when, you know, Aitman comes back for OSU, that's going to alleviate Washington. That's going to help him. You know, there's, you see it all over the field, all over the Big 12. And it helps your running game, too, because it, ma- it makes your defense have to spread out more. Mm-hmm. It gives them more so targets it, to cover. Exactly. Plain and simple, yeah. You know, and so, I mean, I, Kansas was definitely outmanned in this just based on, on talent and everything. But, you know, they, they did self-inflict a lot of the pain to themselves, too, on top of that. Yeah, they did. And, they really did. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, they, they'll tell you that exactly, too. I mean, everything I was reading, they were saying the same thing. We mm. We didn't play good. We made a lot of mistakes. We turned the ball over, and you can't win when you do that. You know, yeah. that, that they were saying the same thing. Yeah, you know, from a Baylor point of view, though, I I feel like this was a good a good tune up, a good you know they came out and got going early, which mm-hmm. has been something we've been wondering. You know, and I think having all the receivers back, having everybody back, has really got them going. And you know, one of those things too is whenever their defense, it's the type of defense. If if you could give them a little momentum, if you can. 
get a, get a pick and then get a quick score. That their defense seems to like you know get a lot of pep in their step, and they they yeah. seem to like you know play at another level when stuff like that happens. Well, you know, you see it a lot in the Big Twelve where play they play off each other. An offense is jacked up, and defense is jacked up. They make plays and play off each other. You know, it works really well that way. And that's when you're. I mean, that's when a team like Baylor or any of the other elite teams in the conference, when they're rolling and they're doing that, when both are feeding off each other, both sides of the ball, things are meshing, that's when they're dangerous. I mean, you get these kind of offenses like this and they're really rolling, good luck. You know, just not much you can do about it. See, and that's that's one thing with Baylor. I want to see their defense because I think they're ranked like 19th total defense right now. Which they've been falling down the right. ladder. And but it's yeah. going to get worse because yeah. they're about to move into the – the really good offense. Like I like I tell people all the time with Baylor, the first six games of the year, it's hard to really do a lot with them because their non-conference, and they openly admit it, is going to be crap, and they're not really going to be tested. And a lot of times they don't play anybody early in the Big 12 schedule either. If you look, most of the time they're back-loaded almost every year since they've been good. Well, they they so, did play OSU this year early. But. They did, yeah. They did have that one earlier, yes. I'll give them that one. Um, but it's just hard to build any kind of structure off of Baylor until like the fall, the the you know later six games in the year because right. you just really don't know. Plus, they're not seeing any attrition right now. You know what happens when they face power teams back to back to back and they're getting guys hurt and all that too. So, well, if if I'm Baylor, I'm really worried to go face Texas and then uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's two because, teams that can beat you up. Yeah, and that that was a thing when OSU played Baylor. The inside run game was there all all day, and then by the fourth quarter, you could tell they were getting tired. It just Mm -hmm. turnovers killed OSU at the end of that game. So mm -hmm. let's see it when they're facing just the real top-tier running backs in the conference. Are they going to be able to withstand it? That's, yep. a, that's a good question. And one thing I thought was interesting in the Baylor game, too, is is their rushing stats. They, they had pretty good yardage as a team, but if you look at the rushes, they had, uh, let's see here, two, four, five different players that had six or more rushes. You know, so that yeah. – you know, that, that they, they spread it out. Yeah, yep. and they're deep in running back. That's right, one they of the are. Because like Lin, yeah. Linwood only carried the ball ten times. You know, which and, I and think part of that's Linwood's had some trouble staying healthy, and I think they're really trying to alleviate him earlier in the year as much as possible by not using him near as much. Because if they have to lean on him come the last three weeks of the season, to me that's the theory I have. They're really trying to say, okay, Linwood. I know you need stats and you're wanting to be the career leader and all this kind of stuff, but we really have to alleviate you from getting abused by teams that don't matter. No offense, Kansas. Um, to till you get to where we play teams that we're really going to need you and have to lean on you for. So yeah, I mean because they rushed for 246 yards. Yeah, but I mean they just they spread it out over quite a few different guys, mm -hmm. which I mean is not necessarily a bad thing. Like you said, it keeps Linwood healthy and it gives some other guys a little bit of opportunity to see what they can do and be prepared if something happens. I tell you what else it does a little bit too is you have that offensive line that's young and they're still gelling. It gives the defense a lot different styles and looks of guys they have to account for. So therefore, maybe they can't just bull rush an offensive line that isn't ready for it. You yeah. know. So anyway, um, you know, wrapping this one up here, it really wasn't. I mean, it really shocked me. I really wasn't expecting it to be this bad. Maybe I should have seen it coming being in Waco. But um, hats off to Baylor. To me, that was the most impressive they looked all year by far. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see if they can sustain it. And I do buy into Cullen's theory a little bit. They're finally healthy at wide receiver all the way. Because, you know, early in the year we said there's no other answer besides Katie Cannon there. And he's not enough to win a, a, a conference for you. Uh, so, you know, Kansas, number one thing right now they've got to address is the turnovers. Uh, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. They lead the country in turnovers right now. They have more turnovers than anybody else in NCAA out of 128 teams in Division One. They've got to address that. Um, you know, if they if they cut the turnovers in half this year, I wouldn't be shocked if they had another win right now under their belt. Right. So I would agree with that. They have to, you know, a couple of the games they've had real close. So 
you know, so anyway, uh, going forward, you know, Baylor's got a tough, tough road to go. They've had six or so pretty easy games, and now they get a bye week here a little pretty soon, and then they got to go. Um, Kansas, you know, it's just slugging away. And, you know, if I was a Kansas fan, what I would look to is recruiting. That's where you can kind of say, hey, you know, that's where you can kind of get some enjoyment. Start looking for some recruiting battles that you're winning, especially over, you know, Kansas State or something like that. So, um, you know, there's going to be next year. So, all right. Wrapping that one up. Jockstrap, you got anything else to add to that nope. one? Okay. Wrapping that one up, uh, next on my list here is Iowa State and Texas. And this game, you know, it was in Austin. Uh, I thought Duvernay had another pretty good solid day. Uh, what you saw from Duvernay, you know, it's, I'm starting to try to watch some of these guys. Maybe they don't necessarily have the biggest days. But these young guys, I'm really enjoying Right now, if you're not paying attention as a whole, us in this room, people listening to the show, if you're not paying attention, there's a lot of really gifted young athletes in this conference right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which I know is kind of a no-brainer. Um, there are some good gifted defensive athletes coming, trust me. But right now, offensively, there's a lot of them, especially at the wide receiver position. Uh, Duvernay is one of them. And you may, because they're a freshman, maybe they're not ready. Maybe you not see, you know, oh, they're not taking games over. Just look for those little sparks and bursts that you can kind of hold on to and say, look, this guy's going to be really good next year. Even, even somebody like Bushell, who touches the ball every snap, you know, you see things that you can go, wow, this guy, you know, there's a chance he could be really good. Yes. You know, so that's what I'm talking about here. There's a lot of really gifted. I mean, you guys agree there's a lot of really gifted offensive players that are freshmen and sophomores in this conference right now. Yeah, I and agree. I think more than I can remember in a long time that are actually having an impact right now today on the team. So, Yeah, they kind of had to be thrown in the fire. I yeah, mean, in some cases they didn't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, but I mean, it's going to pay off in the long run for them for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you might take some lumps this year, but the future is looking good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, here, I know we're going to get into this on this situation. I know you guys are wanting to dig into it a little more. Lanning and Park, um, you know, Lanning was 12 for 21, 140 yards, which isn't a bad day. Um, you know, he had a few mishaps, and they switched him. I didn't really think – I didn't – did you guys feel like – the? Oh, let's, let's get into this. Did you guys feel like the Lanning move was justified when it happened? No. No. But, but I mean, it's been – but that being said, it's been like that the whole year it, it just seems like it's a constant carousel but after the last game did you not kind of get the feeling or maybe even the last game and a half did you not get the feeling that landing had kind of solidified this i mean i kind of felt that way well i mean i did too Me personally but it just seems like that's camel's mo though i mean he he's the type of guy who has said multiple times that he plans on using a two-quarterback system he's done it in the past toledo and he plans on doing it here and which we've all agreed that we don't like that system and to me, I just don't think it's the best approach in this conference no. with this team and this roster. No, and, in my opinion, and it's not like Landing is going out there and laying eggs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last few weeks he's been playing decent football. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's not. It's not. You know, it'd be one thing if he was throwing five picks a game or something. By all means, make a move. Yeah. But he's not doing that. Well, here's and, the other thing. You know, you know, if it was like Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, different. Okay, right. yeah. I get, it makes sense. Like right. you can do that, but you're not. I don't. You're just to me. You're retarding the um, advancement of this team. Like yeah. you're not you're not getting anywhere you need to go. Like it's slowing everything down, and you're not to me you're not reaching your fullest potential in a lot of situations. Well, because I, of it, I think what Campbell was doing is he was looking for a spark. They just they couldn't get, you know, they were moving the ball with Laning, but they couldn't get past. They couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, finally get in the end zone. And then, so he was going for a spark with Park, hoping that maybe you know he could take him the rest of the way. But he was flat. I mean, it just. Yeah. The offense went dead with him. I, I thought it was a bad move at and that time. I get that, but are you looking for a spark every game? Like, at some point, rally behind a guy and go. I mean, 
I can name you several times in the last couple of years where I saw a quarterback that was terrible for three quarters come out and win a game or at least be competitive all of a sudden in the fourth quarter. Give the kid some confidence. How about here's well, the fact. Why don't you make him feel good about himself by not pulling him out of the game? What I didn't understand is that, yeah, you go ahead and you make the switch and you go to park. He struggled on the first series. Okay. Second second series, he struggles again. They put him back out there for a third series. Like, Okay, you, you've seen what you have with the second series. Let's go back to the guy who was actually moving the ball. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, it, it, to me, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, we've talked about it multiple times. It it just seems like you got to pick a guy and go and rally behind the guy and expect other people. You want to spark? Expect your defense to make a play. Expect mm-hmm. your you know wide receiver to make a good catch. Expect your running back to break a tackle. I mean, expect that. Don't don't just say you're you're going to bring in a whole another because you don't you don't bring in another linebacker to get a spark. You don't bring in another yeah. running back to get a spark. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you ride those guys out, and you hope that, that the spark happens. You know, and so I mean, to me, it just seems it seems counterproductive. There's uh, one thing I do want to talk about. <clears throat> going back before we get into the Texas side of this, uh, one thing I want to talk about: a guys, a guy you want to keep your your eyes on. Uh, this is another impressive freshman for the third year in a row from Iowa State. This uh, Deshante Jones kid, mm-hmm. he's good. He's real good. Um, he hasn't had a chance to really – I mean, in this game he had five receptions, 87 yards. You know, you're talking about a freshman. So he's big play good. Like he's, you know, he's hurting you downfield good. And he's – I mean, they're using him in the slot. They even put him one time out wide and he made a good catch on the on the boundary to advance for a first down. So, I mean, you know, he's really fast. That's a guy you want to keep your eyes on. Iowa State, that's a guy to get excited about. You know, you got Mike Warren who's a well, sophomore now. And then Jones, who's a, a freshman, those two for the next couple of years, going to give you really yeah. good weapons. Unfortunately, Lazard's about ready to go, I believe. Yeah, well, um, and, but, I, and I felt like they didn't really utilize Lazard as much as they should in this no, game. He wasn't no, because I mean, as big as body as he is, they they should throw him up a few balls and and tell him go get him. Especially uh, in you your know? third down situations, like he's a great possession receiver with that body. You say you're third and seven. Send him to the first down marker, have him turn around and block out the defender and catch the ball. I mean, you're, you're def- a cornerback in the Big 12 is not going to work around that body. No, or even even run him down the down the line and let him try to throw one that, up. Yeah, you know, because exactly. I mean, I don't think Texas's cornerbacks they're, they're a little bit smaller. I don't. I think he can out jump all of them. I mean, what? Mm-hmm. Why are you not trying to give this man a chance to make you a play? If you want to spark, yeah. that that should be your spark. It shouldn't be trying exactly. to change quarterbacks. It should be trying to go to the guy who can make you a big play. Exactly. And I just to me. Lazard had a couple of nice catches, but yeah, again, they just weren't utilizing him. And you know, Jones, you know, he did hurt him a little bit, but I felt like overall they could have used the passing game more than they did in this game. There, it was there for them to do, and it's been proven that you can throw the ball in Texas. So you know, I don't know. I I agree that that's to be a kind of disappointing factor in the game. Yeah. I mean, I like Warren, and he had 18 rushes and everything, which but. I understand you got to keep everything balanced, but you got to take some chances. You got mm-hmm. you got to wing the ball down the field a little bit on Texas. We've all seen what happens to them if you do that. Yeah. And I don't feel like they even really utilize that whatsoever. Yeah. No, and, well, let's be honest. Texas' defensive line was just destroying right. Iowa State's offensive line. Yeah, that's one thing we had been waiting to see out of Texas. You know, we talked about it. They got some pretty good players up front. They showed up. And they're not – and these are highly recruited players that you're starting to wonder if they're ever going to – if they're not developing guys where they should be because these are talented guys. There's no way you missed on that many of them. And, you know, and there's even another one behind him by the name of Chris Daniels, who was an Oklahoma commit and then went to Texas late, who's pretty good too. So they've got some depth and some talent on the defensive line. Um, you know, and as far as that goes, kind of speaking to that, Charlie Strong, I got a little clip here of Charlie Strong where he's talking about, to him, he feels like this was his best uh, showing on both sides of the ball. He talks about his team. And then also, you know, 
what his voice if if his voice has had really any impact on the defense. And this is courtesy of YouTube, by the way. Charlie, the third quarter there when <clears throat> excuse me, the offense got going, the defense still playing. Is that about as close to getting all of the phases working at the same time as you've seen this season? It is. And and what you like, Rick, is you're right, the offense finally, you know, you hit the big the long one. You know, Duvernay just runs past guys. I mean, he, he just blows by them. And, and then you heard was wide open down there the, uh, on the far sideline. But just to see uh, we score and we didn't allow them to go score. That's what had been happening. You know, usually our offense will go score, then all of a sudden we'll give up a play, a play, boom, boom. It's like five plays, then they go get a touchdown. So I told our defense, so listen, we got to continue to play. And don't go out there and just relax and then give them the throws and, and let them, you know, give up the big play. But we were able to come back and, and continue to pressure the quarterback and, and stop the run and, and get off the field. Coach, I like the armband. I see you like it so much you haven't taken it off yet. Obviously, do you feel like the kid, the guys uh, played better with your call? You talked about the new voice and everything. No, it's not that, Steve. I think that what happens is that um, guys – I don't know if they were looking for a new voice or even just new energy. It, it was more or less, of, you know, you walk in there and you're the head coach. So when you start yelling and, and you're, you're calling it, then it's – I don't know if it means any more than anything, Sean. I, I really don't know. But uh, uh, we could build on this one. But last week it didn't work. So, I, you know. It, Man. So he's it, having a hard time getting said, words did, out. Did he have know? a few drinks before he went on the stand I mean, or something? He's uh, just not the world's best. There, we got a few coaches in this conference that are terrible <laughs> at press conferences. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's a media guy. No. Nah, <laughs> like, I love Bill Snyder to death, but I just cannot pull video clips for him because he's yeah, just so slow and drawn out. And Charlie's hard to follow, too. So Well, yeah, and, and he's right. The, the defense did play good football. Mm -hmm. You know, and whether or not that's based on, you know, him being there or whatever, I don't know. Only time will tell. Yeah. But – you know, they, they did play a very good football game. They played solid the entire game. Mm -hmm. And the offense, they struggled the first half. I mean, that's one thing. He, he was saying we were able to move up down the field. The first half, they, they struggled a little bit. You know, second half, they came out firing. But they the first half, well, they were down. Mm -hmm. well, six to three going into halftime. So, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like they were putting up yards and points in the first half. Yeah. Well, in, in the first half, the offense struggled so much. They, were, they would have a, you know, they'd have a good play, and then you'd have a, a penalty or you'd do something stupid. It, it happened – Drive after drive in the first half, they would take two steps or one step forward and two steps back. Yeah, it was yeah. one of those offensive. That's the thing too is like Iowa State was get had the chances to take this game over. Like there was time for them to do that if they would have just had some better consistency down the down the stretch. Texas was still getting their stuff figured out into well into the third quarter, you know, mid late third quarter. So. You know, there, it was there for Iowa State to take, and then just all of a sudden Texas took it over and never looked back. Yeah, well, to me, like, the, the the whole game came down to this. Texas went out and made a few big plays and, and set them up, whereas Iowa State was never really able to capitalize on anything big. Right. They, yeah. they, they, they really didn't push the ball down the field. You know, to me, that was the big determining factor in the game is Texas tried and succeeded, and it didn't seem like Iowa State tried to, you know, tried to go down the field very much. That's well, what – go ahead, Colin. I was going to say, Iowa State actually was able to slow down the running game for a, right. a, a large portion of the game. It was two, those two big pass plays, which they actually hit two pass plays in a row for a touchdown if Armani Foreman gets called back for the double face mask. Oh, yeah. That the was defender horrible. and the receiver get called for face mask <laughs> on each other. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. But the the DuVernay, his, his touchdown, I mean, it was it's like Charlie Strong said. It was just, you run by him, we're going to throw you the ball. And right. He, mm -hmm. he takes it to the house. And then from that point going forward, and you know, Hurd did the same thing. It was 
I mean, that's what we've seen with Bichel. He kind of struggles with the underneath throws, but if it's a deep ball. Yeah. Oh, he can hit the ball. He's going to touch. And, you know, that's the thing, too, is like Bert, you know, Bert's obviously a track guy, but he's tall and gives you, you know, he's tall size and gives you the speed, which is great. But he's been a little unreliable in the hands department. Now, he's one of them guys that just frustrates you because you can see him. I saw him in the spring game make a ridiculous catch. That laying out, catching the ball, I have no idea how he got this ball. See, and he doesn't even but, seem like he's going to be a factor. But that's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't – he hasn't stepped up and really been consistent for him, and that's where Duvernay has been big for them. You know, they were able to get him from Baylor after all that fiasco, and that's where it really paid off for them was because – you know, had they not had that, they may not have that weapon this year because they thought it was going to be Burt, and now they got Duvernay, who's just running by people. And not only is he running by people, he's actually kind of a thick guy. Like, he's not your – he's not a D.D. Westbrook or a Jalen Saunders type guy that's real tiny or a Turpin that's, you know, small, fast guy. He's He can move you around a little bit if he has to, too. So, you know, that's – we'll be interested to see what they do there the rest of their – I think Texas is starting to figure it out a little bit, but I just don't know – you know too little too late type yeah it, it may be and with iowa state like you were talking about you said it perfectly the way i had said it when i was watching the game was to myself after i watched it back in the, and then i watched a highlight tape also after that after seeing it real quick motion i thought to myself iowa state made a lot of plays in this game they just couldn't string enough of them together to get in the end zone right like you saw some really good catches like i said the the kid the freshman kid you saw uh lazard make some good catches and plays and lanning did some great things but it just came in little bits and pieces between the 20s, and they just never could quite add it up into one drive. You know, if they get all those in, like, two drives, it's probably a lot a little different a little different story. Right, and, and another thing, they, they have to take some chances. I mean, you, yeah. you, can't, you can't play conservative all the time, especially whenever you know the other defense has had trouble in the past mm-hmm. covering deep balls. We, we've all seen it from Texas this mm-hmm. year. You have, you have to take advantage of that. Now, whether or not if, – if the kid makes a heck of a play and makes an interception on you, you just got to shake his hand yeah, going down the road. But, I mean, I mean, you, but you have to try. You know, you got to make the effort to do something. And mm-hmm. they just didn't seem like they were willing to do that. I, mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not sure what their exact reasoning was behind yeah. that. And that's, you know, that got, like we were talking about a while ago where Texas was, you know, fiddle-farting around, figuring things out. And then later in the third quarter, they finally put it together. If Iowa State, you know, takes some chances earlier in that game and can get up, you know, why they're still figuring that out. Who knows? You know, who knows how this game ends up. Texas, in my opinion, is not going to play well from behind against anybody this year. I don't care who it is. Is their passing game pretty solid? Yes, it is. But to me, it's solid coming off the run when they're comfortable and they can run the ball like they want. If they have to just line up and light you up, to me, Michelle's not quite ready for that yet. And B, they don't quite have their offense figured out well enough yet to do all that. And that's just my personal opinion. I could be wrong, but that's just the way I see it. So, well, do you got? Let me ask you this: Do you guys think that Texas has to win out to for Charlie Strong to keep his job? Well, you know, and even if he does, is he still? I mean, is it still up in the air? I mean, to me, it would still be up in the air if he won out. If he somehow won out, I would say sixty forty. He gets to get us well, another year. Let me put it this way: But you have you, you got to factor in they they've completely turned around the offense. The offense is is working this season. Mm-hmm. If he can show that he has improved the defense by the end of the year then yeah if with him taking over and then, yes. defense is kicking. Yeah. then yeah well i mean they still gotta play baylor west virginia yeah, they have some big wins tcu so i mean you know if they were to knock off all those teams then you know there would be good talk about that but the question is 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 the fan base you know the boosters and things are they the are, yeah they kind of run out of patience already because if not i think what you could see is that less mile situation where okay we had a really strong finish to the end of the year everything is great and then they come out and lose game one and two next year and he's fired yeah you know i think you could see that if not because everybody is so 
Like, I'm so tired of doing this. I'm so tired of repeating this scenario. But I, honestly, if you went out and you actually saw improvement with the defense, knowing what you could do with that offense when everything's right, you almost have, if not, another coach is going to get a lot of talent. Put it that way. Right. Because they've gotten some talent there. I mean, nobody else but Texas could do what they did, go 5-7 and seven and recruit the class they did last year, which was like, like basically across the board unanimously a top 12 class. Right. So nobody else does that but Texas. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting what they do the rest of the year. Texas, you know, they've got some tough games in front of them. Iowa State, man, you know, I guess look forward to playing Kansas. That one will be a really good game between the two of them probably. So, I don't know when that's coming up. Uh, Jockstrap, I don't know. Right. Do you have any idea when that game's coming up? Uh, I think it's like November I'll go, 9th. I'll go back to you. I'll go back okay. to you. I didn't know if it was anytime soon or not. But, you know, Texas, Texas should have a bye coming up, I believe. No, they just came off a bye. So, they're good. They're good. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, anything else to add to this game, fellas, before we move along? No, that's no. Pretty good. Okay, go ahead, Jockstrap. You got uh, it. The Iowa State and a Kansas game mm-hmm. is um, November the twelfth. Twelfth. November the twelfth. It's, at, it's okay. at Lawrence too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's at Lawrence. So again, you know, rather even though you may not be in position to win the conference per se, all the big games in this conference are getting ready to come down in November. Yeah, and well, and like we talked about earlier, they're young. Iowa State's got a lot of young guys up oh, front yeah. and stuff. So I mean, yeah, you, you be patient. I mean. Mm-hmm. The, there's a few things I think they need to correct now, mm-hmm. but I mean overall for the future as far as being young and everything, I think I think they can make good strides growing for up for next year. You know, I mean this is a big growing up year, especially for that offensive mm-hmm. defensive front. They're so young there. And while I think Kansas is at least a year or two behind those these other two teams, if somehow Kansas State, Iowa State, and Kansas can get better quarterback play in the next couple of years, man, this conference would look a lot better. I would agree with that. Its bottom would not be near as bad as it is right now. Like you would have, you would have like you, you know, you still could have a couple of giants up there. Hell, I don't pick anybody. Say Oklahoma State had a great year, and say Texas had a great year. They're one and two, and then you know everybody else, three through ten, could be really close to each other if that happens. Because I'm telling you guys, they've got some talent. You can see it in the positions, and like I said, there's some really good young players in this conference. So. We'll see going forward. Uh, you know, Texas isn't really in position, Iowa State, but, you know, who knows what happens. Uh, rolling into the next game I have on my schedule, uh, game three of four this week was uh, West Virginia and Tech. And I think, you know, I don't want to speak for all of us. You'll have your chance to talk here in a minute. But I think, in my in my opinion, this probably is safe to say this absolutely shocked all of us to this extent. Yes. I, like, yeah. I, I really thought West Virginia could win the game and would win the game. Apparently, for some reason, I picked Tech to cover, but I don't understand why, according to Kendall's. But I, to me, I would have definitely picked West Virginia to win this game. And, um, you know, I don't know. To me, this I did not see coming. I kind of thought, okay, it'll be – well, let's give give West Virginia their 48, but give Tech like 41. Like, that's kind of what I saw this game being. So, uh, you know, Colin, rolling in with you here. What, what was – you know, I'm sure this game shocked you to some extent, or what was – the really good things or bad things you saw here or you want to take away from it or whatever? Well, I, I thought West Virginia's defense played well, obviously, limiting Tech to 17 points. Mm-hmm. Um, my main takeaway was how obvious it was that Tech gave up in the second half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, definitely. Cannot, you cannot have that as a, as a football player. Definitely. A team completely giving up. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, they, you could kind of see on the, on the drive, I think, 
Is it Shimonic or whatever his name in the back Sim- of the quarterback? There's a guy today that I trust on the radio that call, that says the H is silent. He uh, says it's Simonic. He said it's Simonic. So okay, that's well, what I, I'm going to say that's that for now until I get proven otherwise. You know, he, he came in for his drive, and he drove him right down the field, and they scored. But it even seemed at that point that West Virginia was like, go ahead. We don't care. Yeah. You know, we're just – Play until the clock runs out. Yeah, we've destroyed you. It's yeah, over. It's over. You have yeah, we hope. broke your wheel in the second quarter. It's done. And that's that's honestly what it seemed like. I'd also, you know, I saw something that I never had even thought that could happen before, with which was an offensive lineman getting called for targeting. <laughs> I must have. Yeah, I must have missed that. This was like the Arizona and Texas Tech game. I think it was a couple weeks ago. It was like week three or four. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just like this game. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Wait, was. are you talking about the injection at the end of the game? There were back-to-back targeting calls. There yeah, was there's a ejection at the end of the game because that guy is suspended for the first half of the OU yeah, Texas Tech game. Their best offensive lineman, which yeah. with how they played in that game, it might actually help them with him being out. But. <laughs> well, you know, and you're talking about how the the players kind of seen what they were kind of giving up. It's judging, yeah, judging by what we're reading going around the internet and different things being said, mm-hmm. it kind of seems like the fan base is starting to – They're done. Yeah, they're, start, they're starting to have the same feeling, mm-hmm. you know, t- towards the coach and the season. So it's going to be interesting what's going to happen the rest of the season. Well, and, and Kingsbury actually came out after the game and apologized for the yep. embarrassing performance, which – Apologized to the student base and to the fans. Yeah, that's – And uh, I think even the faculty or something like that. You know, as a player, that has to light a fire under you. And you yeah. Your coach – Basically, just says, oh, you know, the coach goes out there and falls on the sword for you. Yeah, yeah, for everybody. You have to be like, man, man, our coach is doing that for us, you know. Well, the question is, how are they going to respond? Because, right. I mean, in all honesty, judging by how the defense has been playing, it's probably not going to get a whole lot better on defense, defensively, on the defense side of the ball. Yeah. Now, offensively, that's a different story. Right. But defensively, it's they're they're in bad shape. Yeah, yeah kind of wonder if Next year they need to recruit a few other players on defense. Yeah, they need to, uh, they need to recruit <laughs> like a whole different. Yeah, defense. so they, they, they need if every every recruit needs to be defensive yeah. next year. Well, if only it were that easy. You, you kind of wonder if some of the, I, I don't know what to call the defensive play, but the hopelessness has kind of seeped over to the offensive side of the ball now. Where they're like, well, no matter how we, how good we play, it's not going to give enough. up fifty. So yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, it puts a lot of pressure on you because I mean, if you know going in the game you got to put up fifty five points, sixty points. To, to even have a chance to win a ball game, that puts a lot of pressure on you. Well, here's the thing. To be you, perfect. You pretty much know Mahomes has to be like Big 12 player of the week for them to win a game, in a, in a competitive game. Like yeah. He has to put up 500 yards, probably another 50 yards at least rushing, you know, and say he's probably going to have to throw four or five TDs and run for another one or two. Like, that's insane that you have to rely on that every single week to be competitive. Yeah. Especially in a roster that, guys, I'm telling you, they're not – their talent level isn't as bad as what you're seeing. I know, trust me, I know because I have to cover them. I know who they're recruiting and everything pretty closely, especially on the defensive line. Defensive line, they're pretty solid defensive line. There's a few, mark my words, there's about three guys in that defensive line that are going to play in the NFL, and two of them I think will play for a long time. Well, here's here's another thing, kind of touching touching base on that. With when we're saying Mahomes had a bad game and he's 28 of 44 for 305 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, how many yeah. teams will take that? Yeah, you know, exactly. There's a lot of SEC oh. teams out oh, there yeah. that'll be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. ship it over uh, here." LSU's like, "Hey, over here, sign us up. We <laughs> could have a few more rings with that kind of performance." And that's a bad game for him. No, I know, right? But I mean, that's how bad the defensive yeah. play's been. I mean, that's that's what's. I mean, regardless of what anybody says, their defense has just been terrible. I mean, there's no other word to use. I mean, mm-hmm. they've got a long ways to go to be competitive on the defense in the ball. In my opinion, Kansas is doing way more with less talent. I'm telling you, Texas yeah, Tech's recruited agree. better, and Kansas has right. less talent, but they're doing a better job with what they have than what Tech is right now. And at some point, 
Like I, you know, like I told you guys, I think I said this in a few shows ago. I keep hearing how great this defensive coordinator is they got, and I didn't know much about his past or his history. I know he was really big in high, Texas high school football and yada yada yada. But I keep hearing, oh, he's this great guy. You got to worry about him. Or David Gibbs, I think is his name. Yes, it is. Yeah, you got David Gibbs is a real deal and all this kind of stuff like that. And dude, I'm just not seeing it. Like they're getting worse. They they brought that up a lot during well, the game. Talked about how how good he was and he's going to turn it around and all this stuff. And yeah, you have it, not seen it. No, but it, but is it is it not just is it a cultural thing though too? I mean, not just him. Is it? They focus so much in, in practice and all those things on the offense side of the ball that simple things that they should be working on defense are not being covered? Well, if that's the case, then here, okay, there, there's two big issues with that if that's the case. One is they know this offense cold, especially the guy running at Mahomes. They don't need a ton of extra time getting this perfect. They should know it cold. When defense is obviously your issue, that's where you should be focusing on your, your attention. And I say that also to say that if Gibbs is allowing that to happen, then he's not doing his job either. They brought him in there to be the defensive coordinator and to change a culture of bad defense. I mean, it's it, Tech has been always known as kind of a they're all offense and whatever they get on defense. If they get a couple three and outs, throw a party. Yeah, right. But this is awful, guys. Like this is this might be. I mean, like I said, it's hard. I don't want to go back to like 2001 Baylor's and all that stuff. But just in the modern recent five ten years, this is the worst Big Twelve defense I can remember. Yeah. Well, I mean. As a coaching staff, then you got you got to address that. I mean, in practice, you got to start doing things differently. You got you got to do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't let the wheels just keep falling off. You, I, you got you got to try change your direction somewhat. In my opinion, if that's being allowed to go on, get Gibbs needs to be let go because he is not doing his job. In my opinion, like well, he needs to step up and say, "Guys, we need to fix." And and it's not all on him. Players have to make plays. I'm not saying yeah. it's 100 percent on him, but. In my opinion, you still see that culture of we just accept being bad on defense. And if he's not changing that mentality with him, then again, he's not doing what you're paying him to do. But are are they allowing him to do that? You know, my, my question would be: Is Kingsbury and are, are they allowing him to fully get what he can get yeah. out of it? You know, I, what mean? Know. I, it, I mean, it's, it's a question to be asked. I mean, I, I don't really know. I'm it, not there every day, so I can't tell you. But and maybe this is kind of a crutch, but. Are they absolutely torching them every day in practice? How does that help their confidence if they're if they're giving up sixty points every day in practice to Mahomes? You know they're not necessarily thinking they're going to be very good, right? You know what I mean? Like that to me that I don't know, and I don't know. You do have to play some of the psychological card. You know, people play that off, but you do when it comes to players and teams. You've got to play that psychological card with them. So yeah, and on the flip side of the ball, like we were talking about earlier, as far as West Virginia's play, like we were talking about earlier, to me it seems like they're solid on both sides of the ball. They're not necessarily the best offense or the best defense in the Big 12, mm-hmm. per se, but they, they're they solid on both sides, and they make plays on both sides. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why they're going to be a really tough out for whoever they play because they don't they do not do a lot of dumb stuff. They, they play pretty solid on both sides. And you're going to get some points, and you may hit a big play here and there, but it's not going to be a constant thing with them. They they seem to be playing really well on both sides. Yeah. They're, they're more of a complete team than we're typically seeing with most of the Big 12 teams. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The vast majority of them are heavy on one side or the other. They're mm-hmm. not They're not uh, kind of split down the middle. And this team, for the first time, which for Dana Hogerson, to be honest, it's kind of surprising because you know, he's so offensively driven. But they seem like they're putting together a good, solid team all around. They're not great, but they're but they're making plays and they're doing the right things. And mm-hmm. that's what you got to have. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know what – I didn't really expect this a ton coming into this. Like you knew they had a chance to be good defensively because they built some depth there. 
like you've seen some death building over the years. If you watch the recruiting and you've watched the the way they've gone after these classes, they haven't just jumped into a bunch of JUCO. Like when he first got here, and and maybe it was a panic, but when they first got West Virginia into the Big Twelve, they and TCU was a little guilty of this too. They immediately went the the JUCO route, trying to build, in my opinion, some older, mature depth to battle in this conference because they all knew they didn't have the depth when they first entered this conference. We all agree, TCU and West Virginia got here. They were good teams, but depth wise, they were not ready for this conference. Right. And, uh, and you know, this isn't exactly a bone-breaking conference. So, you know, now he if you watch his recruiting and what he's done, he's done a very good job of being a little more selective with his recruits, and he's done a better job of staying, you know, in high school and getting them all the same age. He's built some depth. Are they necessarily all four stars and five stars? No, but he's built a good core, a lot of the same age guys, and they're starting to come up together and play together, and you're getting a really – just total performance out of this defense every week. The secondary is helping the line. The line's helping the secondary. I mean, it's just it's really it's really fun to watch because they work together really well. And he's done a good job of finding guys to fit his system. I mean, I think sometimes some people overlook. You think four star, five star, which don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Th- those are those are elite athletes. You, you want to have those. Yeah. I mean, who, who doesn't? But it, when you're one, when you're kind of the middle tier teams, you got to go out and find the right type of guy to fit mm-hmm. your system for what you want to do. And it seems like that's what they've done a good job of, especially with what they put together this team. They, mm-hmm. they seem to be doing the right thing for their team. Yeah, I tell you where they're not exactly doing that great is Tech. You're getting, um, they're trying to take the best guys they can. A lot of times, I'm seeing it with the recruiting again this year. The highest ready guy they can get to commit there, and sometimes that's paid off. They've done good on the lines. They've gotten some good linemen with it, but he's forcing his system, in my opinion, Kingsbury offensively on some guys that aren't quite fitting it. And defensively, I'm still not quite sure what Gibbs's plan is. To me, it almost looks like if I'm just standing back, and he hasn't been there long enough, so don't crucify me over this, but just watching it, it looks like his plan is to try to get as big ugly people as he can up front and then just fast guys everywhere else, like speed all over the field, small linebackers, small secondary, and, you know, just run everywhere. And that's, you know, I guess if that's an approach that works, it works. But to me, that's what it looks like with his recruiting so far. So. I don't know. We'll see. Um, as far as Mahomes, we don't have really any updates on, you know, he looks – Kings uh, – uh, what's his uh, – Holgerson said that in his opinion he looked injured. Several writers said he's still a little hurt. It's an AC joint thing, which is not good. I think I happen to think that could be a little bit of what's wrong with um, the quarterback from K-State, Her, uh, Ertz. Uh, I kind of think that could be a little – they're saying shoulder – but I just I've seen people fall on their shoulder. That I saw it with Sam Bradford. I mean, I can still live it today in my mind exactly what it looked like. I've seen enough quarterbacks land on that arm. It doesn't end well, and you know it just depends on the different degrees of severity. So, uh, real quickly, um, you know Kingsbury was pretty upset. We talked about you know how he apologized and all that kind of stuff. Here's just a little bit of clip from him and a couple of the players, Jawan Johnson and uh, Mahomes, on what happened this weekend. They wanted to play more than us. Um, we weren't focused, weren't locked in. We did a poor job, obviously, preparing as coaches during the week, and um, they took advantage of it. It definitely hurts. I mean, just being a high-tempo offense, just the dumb mistakes after the play, late hits, uh, holdings that just kill big plays. It just kills drives, and, so, I mean, it's something that we just got to get cleaned up. I thought we were prepared, um, but we were not. From the opening kickoff, first drive, we go you know, three and out, and, don't stop them defensively so I'm not not sure what happened but it was uh, not what I expected everybody's disappointed I mean definitely an embarrassing performance um, we just got to get better this week and we have another great team coming in this week 
you know, hopefully we'll get better. Which feels like offensively, especially if we're not rolling, we get in a ditch and we can't pick it back up. And it's something we got to work on and got to get rolling and going every single game, every single play. So that was uh, Kingsbury, uh, the more higher pitch kind of, or well, I don't know what you want to call it, but that guy was Mahomes. And then Deshaun Johnson there uh, also offering a few comments. Um, to me, you kind of get a feeling, and Mahomes is never, to me, he's going to be that, uh, he's a great quarterback, man. He's going to be the leader. He's going to say, hey, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. But uh, to me, you get a real sense of just lethargicness to that team. Like to me, I don't know if lethargicness is a word, but I'm making it a word tonight. Um, they just don't, I don't know, they just don't feel like they're bought in. So we'll be interested to see what happens with that team moving forward. Uh, anything else to add to this one at all? No. I mean, nope. West, right now. It's pretty much the score tells everything. Right now, West Virginia, you have to almost lean to say if they're if you have to pick a favorite right now, it almost has to be them with the way they're playing on both sides of the ball, how beat up Oklahoma is, and the fact that West Virginia gets a lot of better teams at home. So yeah. Well, doesn't OU have to go to Morgantown? Yes, they have to go to Morgantown. So does Baylor. And I'm hoping, that's what I'm saying. And TCU. The other two contenders right now that are clean with them are going to have to go there, and, and Oklahoma's beat to death on defense, is which is a chance they get play. healthy. No. no, it's not. Like we always say in the show, it's not an easy place to get to, and it's not an easy place to play. Uh, so anyway, uh, rolling on to wrap that game up. Jockstrap, you don't have anything else to add to that one? Nope. Okay. All right, buddy. Um, tech sucks. Moving on into uh, uh, tech fans, we love you. We do. Uh, they we just, do. It's an abomination, that, game, that, that defense. But anyway, um, Kansas State, rolling on into Kansas State and Oklahoma. Uh, this one – you know, a lot of people there. You kind of, to me, a lot of people had different opinions on this kind of fifty-fifty. Some people thought it would be a blowout again. Some people thought Kansas State would give them all they wanted. Um, I'll be one hundred percent honest, and I, I know this sounds, you know, hindsight fifty-fifty or whatever. But to me, this is about what I expected. I told Cullen thirty-eight twenty-four, so I was close. But I, you know, to me, Oklahoma just had too many weapons for Kansas State to keep up. Once they got ahead, it was pretty much over. I mean, D.D. Westbrook went off. Uh, Joe Mixon had a heck of a day rushing, which really he didn't on stats-wise. If you look at it, 19 carries, 88 yards, but it's just the key timing of some of them, some of the first downs he had, and the ways they used him in the passing game and stuff. And the fact that him running at all once P. Ryan came out with the injury, um, you know, him doing that at all is what opened Westbrook up and the rest of that passing game. Basquin had some nice catches. Andrews answered late in the second half. I mean, it just really got things rolling. And that's what you want to see with this offense. Because when it's right, that's the way it works. Yeah. So You know, in Kansas State, I think if they have better quarterback play, this, this game's probably a little bit different. Oh, yeah. It, it, you know, oh, it yeah. just seemed like they, Definitely. They, they've been struggling so much with the quarterback play. And we've been talking about it all season long. You know, the pass percentage, you know, the different things. It's been it's been low. Mm-hmm. And it, when you pull up, go up and play against a team that can put up some points against you, it's it's hard to come back from, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. what they're getting. That's what they're running into now with OU. That just happened with OU, and they're going to be running into that here in the next few games too. It's, yep. it's they they're going to have to figure something out because they have to get better quarterback play. Yep. I mean, I don't know if that means making a change or doing something, but they they can't keep sitting in the boat they're in right now because they're they're not going to last. Well, do they have any other options at quarterback? I mean, obviously that's uh, true. Hubner Huber's and not Burtz, the answer. No, and Huber and Ertz is it. I mean, here's the thing too. Like, they do have a young athlete that. I think is a freshman or sophomore that is a pretty good dual threat quarterback that he's just not ready. I don't think yet, but from what I understand, he's pretty talented. Um, And he could just be a former wide receiver. I don't know, but I do know he's taking some snaps. Um, One thing that, you know, Kansas state really did in this game that I would say going forward is what they will try to do to everybody. 
they definitely tried to sit on the ball in this game. It was right. a, it was an excellent game plan for a couple reasons. One, you got Oklahoma, who is starting to get a little healthier, but at the kickoff of this game, between suspensions and injuries, was still very much injured and thin on the defensive line, especially in the front seven period, right? A lot of inexperience. So what did they do? Run it right at them, run it right at them, run it right at them, and then just sit on the ball. You're wearing out that defensive front over four quarters, and then what you saw Texas do to some degree with some success. And then, you know, the one thing that Kansas State did not take advantage of that I felt like even their quarterbacks could have done, Oklahoma went to somewhat of a soft coverage, especially when they got up comfortably, like 30 or like, say, 27 to 7 or something, whatever the score was that one time. Um, they got up, you know, by a few scores comfortably. And Texas or Kansas State had a shot at 7 yards and go, 7 yards and go, 7 yards and go. The ba- thing Baylor's famous for doing right. to people. And they just did not take advantage of it. To me, that's where they had a chance to win this game when it was still within, I think, 11 points at that time. It was within 11 points. I remember. I can't remember the score, but it was 11 points. And uh, when it was at that point, that's where they had a chance to really make this game up, and they didn't do it. And they have the athletes, guys. They have wide receivers. They have athletes at wide receiver. Pringle and Heath, those boys are good. Yeah, they're having a hard time getting the ball to them. Yeah, that's, that's, that's their been big a struggle. problem. Now, Ertz got banged up in this game, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. And he left – um, he left it. He left at halftime. He tried to throw one more pass at the end of the, third, uh, the second quarter, and I tweeted out at that time. I said, from what I'm hearing on the radio, because I had to leave the house for a minute, that he's not coming back. He's going to the locker room. He comes back out, makes me look stupid. Comes back out in the first play <laughs> of the third quarter, throws the worst pass that I've seen, and I don't probably since Trevon Boykin was a freshman. Uh, uh, from a Big 12 quarterback. Mason Rudolph's throw to uh, oh, Thomas yeah. last year. At yeah, in the OU game. Yeah, that was bad. It was about like that, except there was no defender in the area. And it was just way off. And you could tell it. It was like he threw it, and when he threw it, oh, like, you know, something like just, hurt. Yeah, like a shoulder missed. And I, like I said, I think he has an AC joint issue right now. They're calling it a shoulder. I don't think it's separated, but I, I just, I've seen that injury too many times. To me, it screams AC joint, uh, you know, some kind of injury there. So, well, and you know, with, with Kansas State, with Ertz leaving, so much of their offense is predicated on a quarterback running game. And mm-hmm, when Ertz goes down, their offensive game plan had to change. Yep, exactly. You bring, in, you bring in Huber, who's more of a passer, and take away that quarterback run game. So, yep. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. you know, and but I agree, Ertz being, Ertz being hurt hurts. But, I mean, at the same time, they, they're going to have to go find him a quarterback in, in the future who can throw a little bit. Because if you get behind against a team like Oklahoma, who could put up, keep putting up points – you got to be able to answer, yep. and and just exactly. running the ball, unless you unless you just have a bunch of horses back there that can run you over, you're not you're not going to be able to stay in this ball game, right. and, and it's going to keep happening to them. You know, when they go play Baylor and play people like that, it's it's going to continue to happen if they if they can't keep them from scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, their defense is going to have to play a, a pretty much a perfect game for them to have a chance to win. And one thing I think people are kind of overlooking a little bit in this game and devaluing, I think we'd probably agree right now, West Virginia is overall the best defense in the league. But statistically, Kansas State was the number one defense in the league coming into this game. Oklahoma took into them pretty well, and right. I, you know, and they they big played plays. some, yeah. And they, you know, one thing Oklahoma does have right now that they haven't had in years really at this position is a deep threat that will burn you. Uh, D.D. Westbrook healthy is a whole new dimension to this offense. Right. Uh, this is what we saw in JUCO where he was destroying guys and safeties. You're just not going to stay over the top of this guy. He's too fast. You know, and I, I felt like Kansas State's defense. I, it wasn't necessarily that they played bad. They just gave up some big plays, mm-hmm. and you know, and I and it wasn't. I don't think necessarily it was coaching or anything. I think it was just D.D. Westbrook was a better athlete than what mm-hmm. Kansas State had on the other side of the ball. You know, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily like coaching changes or anything like that. I mean, coaching moves could have fixed it. I think 
no matter who they put out there, Westbrook was just superior as far as his speed and ability mm-hmm. to get open. And, and you know, yep. sometimes the, that's the way it goes. He's just but, a better athlete, right? Man. You know, and I don't, I don't really know. You could move some stuff around, try to help, but then you get picked apart somewhere else. Well, so you know, I mean, I, I felt like it wasn't necessarily a coaching plan. It was just Westbrook was just a better athlete in general. That really good safety they have, Barnett, is that his name? Yeah, Barnett. Yes. I mean, they tried to, you know, for instance, they tried to help. Well, what they did early was they – Oklahoma had a lot of short plays early. With They still have P. Ryan in there. They were playing a real heavy run defense. Like, that was clearly their plan. Kansas State's plan was to take away the run. P. Ryan mixed him whatever. And they had him up there really helping with that. Well, then he got beat by Andrews right where he would have been standing several times. So then they drop him back into coverage. And then they just sent Didi by him. And towards the end of the game, I mean, that's to me, it was really an excellent job of adjusting play calling on Lincoln Riley's part. And, you know, that's what it ended up being. Um, real quickly, we got one real clip, short clip on this game real quick. Uh, you know, Bob Stoops, you know, post game talking about this game. Familiar faces for coach to shake hands with with uh, some former uh, folks you worked. First of all, the start. You scored on your first three offensive possessions. What what enabled what was responsible for the for the strong start? You know, the offensive execution. I, I, I give the those guys credit. They executed really well. Run pass. Baker was great with his throws. We were hot running it too. So just a mixture of both. How does a healthy D.D. Westbrook change the complexion of your offense? Yeah, it makes a big difference. He's such a a, a threat. You know, with with incredible speed and route running. And showed it again today. He's hard to deal with. You talked about defensive improvement. Where did you see that today? Yes, yeah, saw it consistently. Our run defense, really, for the most part, was good. Uh, we just had a couple of, you know, scramble plays. A guy broke out. But overall, you know, I, I just thought the discipline and, and, again, the execution, we were where we needed to be and, and tackled pretty well. Congratulations, Coach. Right. Nice win. And one thing I do want to comment real quick before we move on from this game. Uh, one thing I am seeing with Oklahoma now, they're starting to get a little healthier. Hopefully that continues on their case. Um, but, you know, this defense was getting ripped early. Basically coverage. It was basically a corner issue is what it was, mainly a corner issue. I think if they had a different corner over there, say a Sanchez, I think it would have looked a lot differently. But let's say focus on that particular area. One thing I'm seeing with them, and like we said, Pringle and Heath and the other guys are really good athletes. You saw – even though the quarterback wasn't able to get the ball there a lot of times, you saw defensive backs in position to make plays had they happened. That's one thing that's really a positive sign you're seeing. Jordan Parker taking over one of the five Jordans on this defense. Uh, Jordan Parker, the corner, taking over on over there in corner with Quick being out, did a really good job uh, on Pringle too even. Him and Pringle went out quite a few times. Uh, but then also the other thing you really saw that was really nice to see was you saw Baker's really starting to come into his own, taking shots. That's one thing we knocked him for at the beginning of the year. Remember, we were talking about, you were saying he's not being aggressive enough. Mm-hmm. He took the shots. That looked better. And then the run game, Oklahoma's doing a great job controlling run games right now. If you're a really good running team, Oklahoma's not the best the defense you want to face. That defensive line's doing an excellent job holding that down. So that's positives I have for any Sooner fans out there to take away from the game. Those are three things that – Yes, given the opponent, they weren't torched by offensive passes, but guys were in positions against really good athletes. Well, it seems like that Obo guy is kind of coming to his own as a pass rusher the last couple of games. Yeah, Okoronkwo, yeah. He's um, definitely an athlete. I mean, he's a freak athlete. That's what he is. He's just, you know, he's Kenyan or whatever, Nigerian. He's not. It's not like he's played football his whole life. So, you know, it's taking him a little bit to get this figured out. But he's getting it figured out. He's doing a really good job. And another name to keep in mind real quick, Navelle Gallimore is starting to take over on defensive line. He's the Canadian kid. The one from Canada that's, uh, I think, a sophomore or whatever. Uh, another one to keep an eye on. 300 pounds. There are not many human beings that move like that at 300 pounds. So just a few things. And also they get two players back off suspension. Dwayne Orso and Devonta Lampkin are coming back this week. So 
Things are looking up on that side of the ball anyway. Um, so wrapping this game up, anything to add real quickly to this one? I mean, these are no. two teams that are going to be competing towards the end. So Yeah, I just think K-State's got to see what happens to quarterback. I mean, we got to see what happens to Ertz, and we'll just have to wait to see what happens, I mean, early. I, I got to say, I don't think K-State's going to be around to the end. I mm. think they're they're more of a seven Oh, no, no. I think they'll be probably middle of the package, you know, somewhere in there. They just don't have the offense this year to be their typical selves. But, you know, if you get a team where their defense is playing good, you know, maybe they slow somebody down. Who knows? I don't know. They're definitely a team that can factor in the race, but it's going to be more from them beating somebody than them being actually in contention. If if he can find them a Juco quarterback, like he's been known to do sometimes randomly, if he can find them a Juco quarterback, this team's going to be good next year. I agree. Really good. Yeah, I, they got a talent around. Yeah, yes. they're a quarterback away, and I wouldn't mind seeing them try to find a better running back. The running back's not bad. If they can find a better running back and quarterback, this team is really, really good next year. I mean, they're talented everywhere. So, All right, moving on. Um, we're going to roll into our picks against the spread real yes. quick. Yeah, real quick. Um, this week uh, we picked uh, the West Virginia-Texas Tech game, K-State K- OU. KU Baylor, Iowa State, Texas, and Alabama, Tennessee. We all uh, stunk it up, right? Well, I, I actually came out three and two, which right. is a miracle. Uh, then uh, Brady, Corey, and Jockstrap were two and three, and Colin was one and four. But Colin, you need to hang it up. I, I demand a recount. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need to retire, Colin. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, I'll give you all the stats before we do our picks next next uh, show. But yeah. uh, just to let everyone know we we know what happened the day of the Big Twelve as far as exp- the whole expansion talk. And I think the beginning of next show, we'll probably go into that a little bit and kind of say our opinion on on yeah. what the final word was on that. We're and recording as a lot of this stuff is wrapping up, so we'll get the more we'll get some more information out there too. You want to make sure we a have all the facts, right? B get all the reports because there's been a lot of things that I've seen on Twitter. Like somebody will say, "Oh, this is what happened," and then 30 seconds later, "No, my source says this is exactly what happened." So, and you know, I'm sure Bourne said some really stupid things on the microphone that we haven't had a chance to see yet either. Yeah, I saw so, him. He definitely did. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll we'll definitely dive into that at the beginning of the next show to kind of tell our opinions on on what we think's going on and once we have more information. If we have time, uh, Brady will be joining us in studio for the first time ever. So if we have time, maybe we can really dive into that show hardcore and, you know, it may take a little bit longer, but at least we get everything hit. Um, real quickly, uh, do you want to talk about the site yet? Uh, I'm working on it. I, I got a site coming up. I'm working on it right now. Okay. So I'm hoping to have it up here in the next week or two. We got some new things coming for you guys. Uh, this is our first show with our full-blown new equipment. We're still tuning it, but if you notice anything, say, hey, you guys sound like we heard a bunch of crickets in the background or something, something weird, a buzz, whatever. Let us know. That would really help us out. If you hear some oddball, something that sounds terrible in the audio, besides the fact that we just sound terrible on radio. I know we don't have, especially me, I know I don't have a radio voice that doesn't bother me. Um, you know, things like that. Anyway, uh, you know, until next time, uh, we'll see you. Uh, like us at Big 12 Country on uh, Twitter. Yes. I can't ever think straight. Big X-I-I I can't ever think straight. And it's also Big X-I-I Country at Gmail. Um, and then, like I said, we'll get back to you on the website and stuff. We also have Facebook. Is that how does face? I don't have a Facebook. Is that yes. big country also? Yes. Big Twelve country also. Okay. And then uh, we have a few a few mailbag things we're gonna go over next week too. Yes, people write in, so we'll, we'll be good shape. Okay, yeah, we're gonna start our mailbag segment. We have some writing, so please send in some more questions. We'd like as many as possible. Uh, until next time, we'll see you. Everybody, take care. Everybody, say bye. All right, bye. bye. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys.